0: first step is to to get clarity Um, clarity exactly on what you as an individual you know for your listener what do you want what you want your life to look like vision like what do you want to look like and draw a picture you know write down what that looks like write down the activities that you're doing Um, you know write down the things that really make you smile and get really excited about
1: are you ready to bring your real estate game to the next level my name is James Prendamano. I'm the CEO and founder of PreReal. And over the past 25 years, I've closed over a billion dollars in transactional real estate. Each week, I'm meeting with outstanding investors, high-performing individuals, and visionaries operating in the real estate space. These are the people that are actually out there in the real estate game right now getting it done. This podcast aims at bringing anyone's game to the next level. This is the PreReal Podcast welcome everyone to the pre real podcast uh, we're joined today by Michael Porsche he's got two main companies folks that we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, he's the owner of STR legacies LLC uh, which is essentially a, a consulting um, business that brings folks through the uh, the short the short stay or the, sh- the short-term rentals the Airbnbs and coaches people up on how to acquire find, invest in, and and make them profitable and manage them, of course. And then Escape and Stay, which is the management division, if you will, uh, of, of his portfolio and some investor portfolio. So Michael, thank you very much for joining us today. It's a hot topic. Excited to have you on the show.
0: Awesome. Yeah, glad to be here, man. I'm really excited to uh, dive in.
1: Your passion was you wanted to be a firefighter. Is that correct?
0: That's right. That's correct.
1: So can you walk the audience through uh, how do you make a leap from, you know, a firefighter to a a, a passion for for real estate?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's a pretty easy one, I guess, to answer because it's definitely my life. Um, So I will start with a little bit of background, Um, that background, and just to emphasize on what you said in regards to we're coming from a generation that believed in working essentially coloring within the lines of what they were told um a lot of that was working nine to five put your money in your 401k and and essentially work that direction and you'll have a great life well back then the industries that were involved took care of their people really really well um not to say they don't now but it's just more of a it was the job opportunities was a lot more there and you didn't have to work as hard in order to be home with your family um so that had a lot to play to play with it and to add on more to that coming from my parents my uncles my grandfather like everyone essentially came from that kind of work life you buy one house you do this you work this you know this kind of number and then you retire at 65 or 70 and you know you hope that that makes enough but sometimes that doesn't work out a lot of times that doesn't so it was my dream to get back to my story um to to be a fireman since I was a little kid that's all I ever wanted to do that's all I ever lived and breathed Um, I I had the opportunity to make that dream come true when I turned 25. Um, I worked in the 911, essentially the 911 industry in general for about 10 years and worked as a fireman for the city of San Diego as a firefighter paramedic for about five. Um, And that was definitely a rewarding, fun, loving career. And the reason why I, I stuck with it and ran towards it was due to, in my mind, it was a job that was able to provide for my family um, and give me enough time because essentially I was only supposed to work 10 days out of the month um, and give me enough time to be with my family to support them um, and to have time off with them and as well invest in and in, in do ministry. Um, so that was like essentially what I was really excited about for that career. I thought I was even that was considered maybe a little bit outside the box, but when I got into it, I got married, still was working fine, but then we had our first daughter. And at that point in time, we always always made a, I wanted to make a decision essentially to say, to give my wife the option to work, you know? you know, so that she could be a mother. And that was something my my mother did not have the option to do. So it was really big in my life. I wanted to make sure I gave her the option. So I worked a lot in order to support ourselves in Southern California, in, in San Diego, in order to, you know, essentially just to make that happen um, to the point where I was, you know, not only that, we're also low staff, but I was working anywhere from 20 to 25 days out of the month in order to make that happen. Um, but, what was bummed about that was when I got home from work. A lot of times I I got ran like you know, working 24 hours. Um, but we get to these certain scenarios where I'm coming home, I sleep for five hours, and I'm giving my family, my wife and my daughter, the worst of me because I'm tired, I'm you know, I'm grumpy, I'm just trying to survive. And so it, it was like, this isn't. There's got to be another way. And so a friend of mine. He gave this book to me, of Poor Dad, which a lot of people have read within the real estate community, and what kind of gave them the vision. And that's what it gave me. It gave me a vision to see that you know you can get passive income from real estate and there is opportunity through there. And so that started on the path of like, hey, there is another way. And that kind of what is what was the start that got me from thinking, I'm gonna work my nine to five, my dream job, and do this until the day I die and retire. Um, to Hey, I can, I can have, I can have other people essentially pay, pay for my lifestyle um, and for what I want.
1: Where does the real estate passion come from? How do we, how do we, you know, there's a lot of places to go. There's a lot of things to do, right? There's a lot of hacks out there today. There's a lot of uh, ways to make money, side hustle, Gary V, whatever you want to call it. Why real estate and why the short-term rentals?
0: Great question. So, I mean, ultimately, it, 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 it the initial reason that brought me to it was more for um, I kind of fell into it as a concept that hey, this could actually work. Um, but why I stayed with it and why it really helped and why real estate in general is because I have a very specific certain goal in mind. Um, my goal is so that I can create One, cash flow to replace my expenses and replace my income. Um, Two, generational wealth so I can build upon wealth and multiply it through loans and through real estate that I can utilize for other vehicles. Um, And so these like really essentially real estate and short-term rentals are just one of the best vehicles that allow me to do that. Um, especially with what can be paired with them. So I had the envision, the original idea was to combine business and real estate together. My first whack at that was assisted living. And assisted living probably still is a good vehicle, especially in this, um, in this season of life of where we are as a, an economy, a, a people group, everything. Um but it was something that I just really didn't enjoy. I got into it for about a year and a half. Um, You know, we did really well with, you know, both of the units that we bought, Um, but it was just draining and it wasn't fun and- It's
1: heavy. It's very heavy,
0: heavy. yeah. Very heavy, yeah. And so we ended up selling our interest at the end of the year. And then, um, and kind of transitioned to another avenue, which was the short-term rental side of things, which is a business. So we created, Businesses within and around it, but at the same time, we also get to take the ability of the appreciation of these properties and the cash flow. So um, I guess to dive in a little bit of what that looks like now and why I'm even staying it longer is because there's a lot of data out there that allows us to see, you know, where you can get the bet, like some of the best cash on cash return. Um, and so some of that data allows us to be in a position where we can buy a property. You know, I have one student who bought a property for like 50, no, $48,000. And the revenue on that property is 57,000 uh, a year. I have another student. Wow. Closed on, Yeah. It's awesome. Um, I have another student and I can talk about my own, my own properties too, but, um, uh, one guy, his name's Colton, great. One of, you know, our earlier students, but, um, He closed on a property or just recently um, last month in July and he bought it for 423,000 and he is coming out of the gate this month um, in August on, he's on pace to bring in $20,000 for just this month. Um, But throughout the year, he's looking at um, about a hundred, he's projected to make 143,000, but of what's actually been recorded, um, we're looking at twenty thousand this month.
1: How do we talk to the audience about taking the steps? Where do we start? What do we do?
0: Yeah, um, I think the very first step is to to get clarity, um, clarity exactly on what you as an individual, you know, for your listener, what do you want? What you want your life to look like? Vision, like. What do you want it to look like? And draw a picture. You know, write down what that looks like. Write down the activities that you're doing. Um, you know, write down the things that really make you smile and get really excited about. That's the first and foremost because that's going to be essentially what's what is fulfilling, right, for you in your life and what you really want to achieve. The next thing is exactly in the same format. Is like, okay, now we need to bring down and make some smart goals, something that specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and and time bound is what that acronym stands for. Um, And essentially patch that towards your vision um, and making the line, you know, but with that, you've got to find the right vehicle that can bring you there efficiently. And so for most scenarios, for like people that we work with are, you know, they want, they need to replace their income or their expenses first so that they can actually focus on time on doing the things that either would generate more income or higher rate of returns or, um, you know, spend time with their family travel you know whatever it may be um but i would say to dive deeper into your question um what they can do to get started is really essentially just starting there because and really kind of asking asking yourself out now your vision could look like what you're doing for the next year next five years next 10 years but I want to. I, I would also want to encourage you not to think of your goals out three years because so much life happens in three years. Yeah. Um, and even like, and people will do. What's your five-year goal? What's your ten-year goal? And yeah, that's that's good to have. But you know, write it with a pencil, not a pen. Um, but I'd say look what you can do in the next three months. There's a book called Twelve Week Year out there. It's really good, and it really boils down from getting into a position of having your year goals for the company to bring it down to three months. Cause essentially what you can do in one year, a lot of times, most of the time you can do in three months. And so they break it down in three months. And then from there, you work backwards. So you get your three month goal, what you need to do in one month in order to get that three month goal. And then you look at what do you need to do in one week to get that one month goal. within that week, what are the daily habits and primary activities that you need to do in order to achieve for that week and for that month? Because that's what's going to lead you to that three-month goal. And so breaking that down, working backwards is, I'd say, essentially the best way. And if it's short-term rentals is a a vehicle um, and real estate is a vehicle in order to help, you know, get there, you essentially have to plan it out and be realistic, write down numbers. You have to measure yourself. If you're not measuring and inspecting what you expect to happen, it's not gonna go well. Um, But you have to essentially have a measuring stick and you have to have not only goals because goals can be great, but they're useless without the habits. Um, So that's what my encouragement would be in order to a good starting place before we even talk about real estate.
1: Now, we've gone through that And uh, I've determined that this is a potential uh, typology I want to explore and I want to invest in. Now what?
0: Yeah. Um, Before diving into answering that question, I do want to emphasize your remarks about coaching. Um, Hands down, like, and I say it this way, because some people will get, you know, weird ears when they hear, coaching right and they'll think it's a scam or this or that or maybe they do believe in it but they had bad experiences um and I, and I say this like have you ever dated somebody who didn't work out you know like the answer is usually yes well did, are you married and it's like well the answer ends up being yes well it's like obviously okay just because you date someone who's bad who wasn't good for you doesn't mean you want to give up on finding the right person for marriage and so like i really Say that with coaching, you really be very specific. The reason why I want to start with the specifics of what you want is because that's going to help you find the coach that you want and that you need. And you want to also measure measure your coach because essentially when they're still able to provide the value that you need, you should probably essentially find someone who is able to get you to that next level. Um, and they have to have either have a track record of doing it themselves or a track record of them helping other people um, do it really well. One of the two. Um, but to, and so like for you, like like I've had bad coaches. I've paid thirty thousand dollars marks and not be good. I paid two thousand and it was great. I've recently just paid ten thousand a couple months ago and it was amazing, and made my money back. I'm actually about to pay the same people another forty thousand in order to continue with what they're doing, um, with my business because I see a return and it's investing in investing myself. Now, to go to your question, um, for the Found out, yes, short-term rentals, real estate is a good market to dive into. Then I would say, at that point in time, <clears throat> you're because you, real estate is so diverse, um, even in the short-term rental space. You need to find the vehicles that's going to get you there um, for what you need, for what essentially what your resources are, and what your capabilities are. So what, one of the things we do within our coaching programs, we break that down, seeing like, okay, what are your resources? That you currently have available that's easily accessible because those are the most fruitful that we can with less um because the reality is people can get money and, and get lend money and, and if they find a the right deal they can they can find money for it right um but the reality is it's that's also a skill to learn and there's there's some resistance in getting to learn that skill well and learn how in learning how to do it well and so um so i would also I also encourage, hey, let's, let's start off with the lowest hanging fruit, which is what your resources are. Let's build on that. Um, And then finding out what that is. And then I'd recommend, okay, now we need to look at our data in regards to what data is going to allow us to essentially find. So in our program, so it's hard to kind of differentiate someone from starting out with what I know versus, you know, starting out with if they don't have access to what I have access to for you know for example um but because you hear a lot of people say you know you and you hear them say oh go invest in you know the Smoky Mountains or in Broken Bow or in Miami or in you know Kissimmee and all these places to be honest are really oversaturated and the returns aren't that great if you're just going to buy a normal property that everyone else has out there it's just not it's not going to give you the returns you like Um, But for me, I would say, okay, knowing what I know and knowing what I teach, once you have that established, go and find data. We have access to data within our program, but go and find data to where you can, you know, essentially go into these markets and analyze these markets, learn how to analyze, you know, these markets, and then analyze the properties to find um, which is really, that's the number one skill that's going to really help you out. And I know that's a lot. And it's kind of like just really bunched in there, but that's the number one skill that's going to really help you out in regards to finding a good property to um, essentially accomplish that goal in the short-term rental space. Because it all starts, the number one thing that's going to cause in terms of like your most revenue is location. Um, after location, Then it goes into the type of product you have, you know, so how many people it sleeps, right? So the more people it sleeps, typically um, the more revenue you can generate. Then after that, it's the bedroom count. Then it goes into the amenities, you know, what kind of amenities and stuff. Then it goes into the packaging and the lighting and, you know, um, the paint and making it look modern or pretty or whatever that, whatever reason people are visiting that location for. Um, but it first starts with the location. If you can get the location right, then that's that's I'd say you're 80% there.
1: What what should the market have? What should we be looking for when we're we're saying is this a good Airbnb market or not? Or short so is- short-term rental. I know it's not Airbnb, it's not the always end all term, but yeah, where yeah. where should we be looking?
0: Yeah, totally what you mean. Um, I'd say that's a great question to ask. Um, So we essentially look on three factors, and those three factors are areas that were as high demand, um, high revenue growth, and high cash on cash return. So typically, how would you know, right? Like, you're not really knowing, like, off the bat of how to get markets like that just presented to you. So where do you go to find that? um well we like to call these like Disneyland properties but you know by the way because Disneyland does a really good job creating that they create demand to sell certain things they create revenue growth by adding on new attractions every year and they have a high cash on cash return because the value of one person entering that that place that you know or a, a, or a Disneyland is not however much the ticket costs it's that non-ticket it's the water bottles that they buy at Concession stands. It's the food they eat, it's the alcohol they you know they drink. It's the vacations they buy for the next one. It's you know everything essentially that they goes into there. So that dollar per mount per customer goes up and up and up. Um, so ends up being like I think maybe two thousand dollars per customer is is what um, what they get for them in, you know from them entering in. Now, um, so we essentially look for Disneyland properties. And with the concept of the demand revenue growth and cash on cash return now what we've seen in the areas of which um, that all these places we invest in have in common is that one they're drivable they're drivable to another large area of people um and two to be honest some of these best markets haven't haven't been places where you can necessarily fly into all the time um, but there's a reason why they go there so it's usually a lot more known to local people, um, but not so much known to people across the United States. And so, different things that we've seen is like horse race tracks is one. Um, we've seen like you know venues like the one in Ohio is is by like the reason why it attracts so many people and has strong demand is because there's um. Uh, Cedar Point or something of that nature. It's like a place you go visit, carnival, that kind of thing. There's some sort of attraction, right? Um, There's a reason why people, there's another one is um, skiing and and snowboarding. So it's, we built, there's some places that are well known locally, but not necessarily across the United States. Um, So there's always these little reasons why people will go vacation. Now it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because you know, typically the reason why you get such high demand in those numbers is because there's an attraction or something local, like uh, even like Joshua, you know, Joshua Park, which you've probably heard about. Um, but these like national parks where people like to stay in these areas. But the reason they get high demand, high revenue growth, and high cash on cash return is because there's not a whole bunch of industries there providing jobs for people. So families aren't moving, there, driving those homes and those costs up, which double-edged sword, because one, you're not paying as much for a home, a single family home. But at the same time, there's also not a whole lot of security if something were to happen to that, say, one thing that is causing that demand to go up, which is a risk you have to weigh out and willing to take or not. Um, but all these other areas, they're, they're traveling there to, for something specific. Like on the horse track races, I mean, one of my guys, that's where he invested. And its he's getting $20,000 this month because of that very fact, because it's a high demand season for that. Wow. Um, wow. So that's, that's what we've seen to be probably the most valuable
1: areas. And, and you, does your course uh, offer um, or your coaching offer like models and calculators and ways to... To kind of back your way in, to really hone in on this. Do you guys go that far?
0: We do. We go very, very deep. But yes, we go there.
1: Okay. So, because um, as we're talking through this and, and the reason selfishly I wanted to have you <laughs> on now uh, is we're acquiring a, a number of the assets in this this particular town. And the Airbnb opportunity is, is massive and, and not many folks are doing it and those that are are not doing it really well. So uh, selfishly, I wanted to learn what can I gain if, if, if we're able to subscribe after this and, and jump on board. Um, yeah. And I wanna be able to come out, invest ready, right? I wanna be able to come out yeah. knowing, all right, here's the market, here's how I can figure these things out. So um, you're gonna walk people through, I guess, one bedroom yield, two bedroom yield, three bedroom yield, that it it matters, right? Bathrooms, condition, but a lot of folks don't have the know-how. They don't have access to contractors. They don't have access Mm -hmm. to designers. So how do you start pulling this stuff together?
0: So a couple things with that, like in specific to our program, we have all of that. And we leverage teams on the ground for other places. So uh, for example, one of my first students, her name is amber she's actually our main designer and she builds out all the furniture she's amazing at what she does um so she got her first property in 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 virginia and i'm not shy to share my locations because most people just don't take action unless they have accountability and or they have enough drive to do it and if they do good for them go um but that's why in our coaching program we're really big on accountability and we're really big on telling you next steps. do it you know and, come back to us when you do it kind of thing um, but regards to her she bought a property listed for 270 I think she offered around 300 for it she got it you know she's on track to make $85,000 for that property great property but that's where she started and now she's actually designing all of our properties my properties that we buy we just started this investment firm to kind of go to your point or we're testing it out the theory. Um, about these hedge funds buying these properties and doing that. So we're looking into a position now raising funds to buy these properties because these guys who raise capital, which I do very little of that, they are big time capital raisers and they dive deep into the ability of like knowing how to do that. So, because they didn't believe that we're able to find these cash on cash returns and so, our first one that we're partnering on and making this happen is like a, it's ridiculous. It's like 75% cash on cash. Um, we can get into that property later. I have no, no problem um, talking about the numbers on that. But <clears throat> um, the, but I digress. I apologize. Um, going into it was the details of what's, oh yeah accumulating all your contractors and people that you'd be able to to utilize to essentially to have your short-term rental run well so once you get the property under contract it's out of state right it's nowhere near you um you have to find ways to be able to manage it find ways to be able to furnish it all that kind of stuff Um, most of what i done was like essentially my first few projects were rehab projects um and so i had a I, i did it on my own i called a whole bunch of contractors and found people you know, that I trust and built it out that way. And I used the, them and a realtor to be my eyes. The Now I have a guy who's who manages projects like in Singapore and he manages all my projects. He's my, my project manager. Um, and so he does all that work. So he finds people, boots on the ground and has all these forms, documents and systems in order that it goes smoothly and picture verifications with a third party source to make sure we're doing the things that, um, that essentially are um, what, you know, what needs to be done. Um, the next part of that is we have designers virtually come in, take pictures, do video walkthroughs from people on the ground and they build out furniture with Amber. Amber designs it, she sources it from like five to 10 different you know, places that she can order it make sure it gets all ordered in one week and gets it delivered there. I have contractors on the ground. Usually the best ones are stagers, but they're also costly. Um, You can fly down there yourself and set it up, but stagers they'll cost anywhere from a thousand to 2000 bucks. You can get furniture movers and get a design template with PDFs and have those furniture movers do it all for 400 bucks. I've done that too. Um, So, you know, I've done both. I'd say one's cheaper, but one's a lot more efficient, (laughs) Um, you know, and sometimes we're going into these markets, speed is key. So you want to like, if you go one week longer or two weeks longer, that could be anywhere from 500 to 5,000 bucks that you lost um, because you don't have it on the market. Um, So those are the little things that we have in terms of like making these deals happen It's just by networking, on the ground but there are so many other things to consider too is when you're purchasing that property when's the high seasonality so you can get most your money back right when do you need to start advertising that property and when people book because some people will book 30 days or or within a week of that like or some people will book 140 days in advance Mm. well the markets that do that you need to make sure you're marketing it 140 days to capture that bulk of people who are doing. And so just to give you an example, the property that we're working on right now, we have under contract and, you know, we're getting it all set up to close on. Well, their high season is in January. They're projected to make $23,000 in January, $22,000 in February and so on. Um, so as you can tell, it's probably, it's either a high winter market or it's, uh, for the root, you know, for the reason to escape winter, or for the reason of skiing and snowing. It's either one of those two, usually what produces that amount during January, because most places don't produce that. Um, so one of the things that we have to do for that, that property, I said, 140, I think this one, they, they do about four months in advance is when 50% of the people will book for that market. Wow. Um, So we have to be working with our virtual designer and stager to have that property advertised next month, even though we won't have any furniture in it. We won't have, um, it won't be done with rehab yet. We'll probably just be getting close to closing on that property. Um, But we have a virtual team coming in so that we can start listing it on Airbnb before we even close it on the property, because we want to make sure we are capturing that bulk because if we don't capture that, that means we're losing out on that on that money. So we're capturing January starting in September because that's when the average person will book for that market. So those are things to consider when you're entering these markets, not just the people you have on the ground, but it's why are people going? When do they book? How do they book? Um, what platforms are they normally going on? So all these things are little things to consider.
1: And you're, you're able to handle all, I mean, do you go that far? Like if, if, you know, we had assets and we said, Hey, Michael, we're not in this, this business. um, How far do you go? Will you handle the whole, the whole thing here? Obviously the fees are commensurate, but is that something you do?
0: I do. Yeah. So we're actually doing it right now in another property, for someone else in Reno, um, which she hasn't signed on the dotted line yet, but you know, because of the of my relationships and that's me figuring out how to do this, I essentially built a team and they're all willing to work. Um, now they're contracted um, and I make a fee and they charge their own fee. Um, but through connecting through me, I, I essentially give them, I hand them over to you um, and then they will go and essentially build all that out. Um, gives you quotes, gives you ideas. And because they work hand in hand with me, they know kind of the expectations of what people are gonna make or what they're gonna do or what they need. Um, Because they've done it on our properties and they've done it on my students' properties. So it's like, they kind of know the drill. So now like we're looking to expand our management company into these markets that we we wanna get into. So um, that can provide higher rates of returns So now we're working with different homeowners and people who are wanting to manage or do stuff down there. We're looking essentially to find these people and partner with them. And we're helping, you know, giving them a discount, at least on the management side, just to enter in that market. But they'll use our services for the furniture building and, um, you know, designing it, um, rehabbing it, everything. even if they're local there, but they're using our guy who's not local, but he knows how to get the job done.
1: Do you guys get involved and do you touch on uh, the arbitrage opportunities at all where folks are, are leasing and then, you know? Yeah. I mean,
0: I don't necessarily, it's not my focus. Would I take one up? Sure. But I don't only because I believe in actually helping people. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Arbitrage people are great. They need, they're doing a service. Um, but there's two things. I believe in home ownership. So I want to encourage people to home ownership because if you don't take, a, take advantage of the appreciation, the tax benefits of owning a home, it takes just as much work to learn how to do it with no money down than it does creating a business and doing an arbitrage model. So, but that's one factor. Um, another reason my focus is just own, like focus on owning because you have leverage there. Um, but the other factor is I enjoy helping people make money, and so on the management side, because management and arbitrage are very similar. You're doing the same exact things. The only difference is who's getting the, who's taking the most risk and who's taking the bigger cut. Um, So obviously, the person taking the most risk is taking the bigger cut. So some people, great, hey, I want a stable, long-term tenant. Give me what I, you know, a rent of fifteen hundred dollars, you know, per month. And you can do, you can sublease it and do whatever you want. So that's the arbitrage model where that guy will come in and arbitrage it. They pay him $1,500 and they rent it out on short-term rental it for Airbnb. That's great. Um, but they're taking most of the risk and they're also, they're also um, you know, taking more of the money. But for me, I like to educate. I like to prepare. I like to equip people. Hey, if you want to make this money, you can. You're taking the risk and doing it which I think is worth it. Life is nothing but risk, you know, being alive is a risk. So I say do it. Um, and, but also we're just taking a cut and managing it to its best performance while giving you the peace of mind that we're asset managers, not property managers. We, we run it like an asset in terms of all the valuables inside. Um, we make sure, take pictures of, do viable audits. We do security, we do optimizing revenue. So it's one thing everyone always talks about, yeah optimize revenue, um, which typically they'll go with price labs, which is great. I, I use price labs, um, or they go with smart B you know, if you're a professional investor, you want to utilize these pricing softwares, but I personally think that's not enough. We take another step in the right direction. We like to compare to our markets and we do a weekly check every Monday. We like to look at how our properties and perf- how they're performing. And so we'll compare against the market because that's probably the best tell. Um, and we'll either add things to our listing to improve its value or we'll price it differently to improve its value for occupancy. Um, and we'll the occupancy numbers changes from market to market. So we won't have one occupancy fits all. Um, so we'll base it because we know we can make the highest dollar amount for a specific occupancy occupancy is very heavy so we want it occupied but we don't take that price down until it's like one week um depending on the market it all every market it's a little different but um but essentially like that's i guess our model when it comes to management but that's to say i guess also in the whole arbitrage thing i know i went off on a tangent there again i apologize um but My my focus is essentially um, either helping people make money, is what my point was, or helping them own and arbitrage is it helps one person make money, which is fine. It's a business. Um, But it's it's something that we kind of shy away
1: from. How impactful has it been? Uh, Where do you see this going? Are you guys keeping an eye on this stuff as it's rolling out from city to city?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things we love doing is we love investing with places that already have restrictions, especially if they've had a long history of like being a vacation market, because then it usually doesn't change much. There's, mm. They already have their thoughts in place. And if you can get a permit, then great. Um, another thing to do is focus on zoning. Um, you know, if you're in a commercial or mixed use, you know, zoning, you can operate a business and short term rental hotel, that, that's a business. You should get a license for it. And so you're protected in those areas when you already know the rules to play. The places to be wary of is the places that are new to this and don't have rules established. Um, and so, what you want to do before going in there is you want to call the city or call the county, whatever governing entity is over that area. And you want to ask them, hey, can I have in writing your restrictions when it comes to short-term rentals, tourism, um, lodging, whatever? And you find out if they have anything written. A lot of times they don't have things written in these newer markets. Um, sometimes they do. So once you know the rules you can play by, that's when you know how to, make, how to really make good money. But if they don't have any rules, you should be wary, but you can still make good money for time, um, you know? And so, and you want it to see it written because I've, 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 I've even gone, gone to cities and they say, yeah, we don't allow short-term rentals in R1 zoning areas. I'm like, great, can I see your zoning and your written rules on that? And they didn't really, it, the language was there to a degree, but it didn't specifically say you can't do this activity in an in R1 zoned area. So for that very reason, I took the risk and I can, I can say, because if they ever, if the city went against us in any way, shape or form, um, you know, and this is me pushing the envelope a little bit, hold up in court, it's very difficult to enforce something that you don't have specifically written. If it's not written, you can't enforce it. Doesn't mean it can't change. And I I think the local, the more local it gets, the harder it is. But HOAs will have something in writing. I stay away from HOAs. Well, not I'll stay away from HOAs. I stay away from condo HOAs, because condos can change the time of a hat unless you own the majority of the condo. You don't really have essentially the control. And they're the quickest ones that can flip. Cities take a lot longer. Counties take a lot longer.
1: Love it. Okay. Um, Where do we start if we're uh, have no experience and we're looking to just get started and we need some of that base core coaching? uh, Are we pointing them to STR?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You could, um, if that's, if that's where you want to go, absolutely. We have a, you know, a coaching program as well as a mentorship and mastermind that's, um, www.strlegacies.com slash home or www.strlegacies.com period. I think that's it. Um, those are the two ways of getting some information about me or information about our program. Um, we're still revamping a whole bunch of different things. We've been around for about a year. Um, that it's been fun
1: and escape and stay, uh, is that for a more seasoned yeah. investor? Is that, you know, have the asset already and looking to have someone. Manage? Not
0: yeah. Not necessarily if it's, you have the asset, you're looking for someone to manage it. Um, yeah. Escape is how you can get there. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's our management company that, you know, we own and we have, and yeah, it's a good asset.
1: It's good. All right uh michael this has been really informative uh, a lot of value i I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of take it from a all the way through to z here super 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 valuable information uh thank you so much for joining us best of luck in in the endeavor and i'm gonna reach out to you on that market i was telling you about offline and and get something cooking absolutely
0: do so I'd love to give any, any words of advice or anything I I can get.
1: All right, man. Thank you so much. Michael Porsche, everyone stay safe.